1: I appreciate everybody that's reaching out to me via text at uh, 8168 Morano and via email at uh, frank.morano at networks.com. If you're going to give me advice that's just conventional wisdom about how to deal with a sore throat, you don't need to. I mean, I've had sore throats before, so I really don't need you to text me and say, try honey and lemon. Has that ever been the case where you've suggested that to someone and they say, "Really, honey and lemon? That works." No one's ever told me that before. Or gargling with warm water and salt. You're kidding. Warm water and salt. Never thought about that before. And again, you, 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 you know, I'm appreciative that people are concerned about my health, so I'm not giving anybody a hard time. But if you're, you know, one fella just uh, texted me. Throat coat tea. I drink throat coat tea every day, even when, you know, when I don't have a sore throat. If you have a real unorthodox solution, like uh, gargling with Xana flesh or something, then by all means, let me know. But if it's just conventional wisdom that says warmth and moisture and uh, resting your voice or honey and lemon, I get it. I get it. You know, I have a friend who has difficulty sleeping. And he's had difficulty sleeping for years. And someone told him, they got they sent him a box of sleepy time tea. And he says to me, you know, if I've not been able to sleep since I'm 10, do you think if a cup of tea, even of the sleepy time variety, was going to put me to sleep, something else wouldn't, wouldn't have worked before? So unorthodox solutions only, please. Thank you. All right. Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is I am drinking tea with honey and lemon. And, you know, I heard our music indicating that it was time for the top of the hour. So I just guzzled down the last ounce of tea with honey and lemon because it's not really hot anymore. It's more of the warm variety. And I started choking and I got into a coughing fit, not because of the cough that I have, but because I was choking on my tea. So, those of you that are drinking, even if it's tea, please drink responsibly. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right. A lot, get, a lot to get into. There was speculation that Tucker Carlson was going to interview Vladimir Putin. Tucker Carlson used to be the host of the Most Watched program on cable news. He was the uh, host on uh, eight PM, uh, Fox News Channel at 8 p.m., and then he got fired. I still don't think Fox News has said definitively why he was fired, Most people believe it had something to do with the uh, Dominion lawsuit, but honestly, I think uh, that—well, whatever, we don't need to get into that. It doesn't matter. So now he's independent, and he's doing the independent media thing. He does a show on Twitter, and I really think that independent media is the future of media— And the corporate-run media of MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, NBC News, CBS News, I really think, and look, I I patronize some of the stuff uh, that I just mentioned, but I really think that's yesterday's news outlet. We're now living in an era where whatever your interests are, you can find someone that's going to scratch your itch. Then... I I thought it was interesting, and I didn't get to talk about this earlier in the week, that uh, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is the most successful person in independent media. And he just signed a contract extension with Spotify to the tune of $250 million. And this is a little bit different than his previous contract with Spotify because now he's not going to just be heard on Spotify, but they're going to repurpose that same content on YouTube and on other podcast outlets, which I think is a good thing. Because you know I, he does inter- interesting interviews that I've enjoyed listening to from time to time. I'm not a regular viewer, but what I like about him is you really—he's totally heterodox in his views. You turn to Fox News Channel, you know you're getting right-wing talking points. You turn to MSNBC, you know you're getting left-wing talking points. Joe Rogan and a lot of the independent media journalists that, and entertainers, for that matter, that I enjoy patronizing, they're kind of all over the place, which is how I kind of see myself. And I think, to some extent, being on terrestrial radio, maybe it's hurt me, to some extent, because people want um, a box checked. They want turkey and mash. They want somebody that's all sports or all politics or all right wing or all left wing. And I'm none of those things. I'm all over the place. So uh, when I see Joe Rogan making two hundred and fifty million dollars from Spotify, I think that's great. I'm just, you know, I'm just a dollar or two behind him. Here's, by the way, a trailer that I think Spotify released uh, commemorating their contract extension with Joe Rogan. What I love about podcasts is I've I've always been a curious person. It's been amazing to be able to do this. I've really enjoyed doing it on Spotify. It's been a pleasure to be a part of the biggest podcast platform in the world. So congratulations to him. You know, what I also like about his success, and he was on a show that I just loved, which ironically took place at a radio station called News Radio. He was also on a show that I liked but was not very good, but I'm such a rabid baseball fan that I watched it. It was called uh, Hardball. I I don't even think it lasted one season. I might have been the only person that watched it. But um, what I like about his podcast is that it's long. And it's the same thing I like about Tucker Carlson's podcast. It's long. We've become trained to devour information in 40 seconds, 60 seconds. We've gone from sound bites to sound barks, right? And I think it's so insulting to the intelligence of someone to assume they don't have the attention span to really enjoy an hour-long, two-hour-long conversation with a fascinating person. So I hope other people will emulate him. Just the way, you know, Rush Limbaugh, when he broke onto the conservative media scene— there was nobody really doing, at least not on a national level, what Rush was doing, at least not how he was doing it. I know there were others, and you save your your calls. I know, I know there were others. I know the history of conservative talk radio. But when Rush became such a larger-than-life success, a couple of things happened. You had radio stations flipping their format to be talk stations just so they could put Rush on, and then they needed to fill up their lineup with other programming that Rush listeners would enjoy. And a lot of people, and we've talked about this before, really misunderstood what, was, what it was that made Rush so great. And they just put on all these Rush imitators that were parroting right-wing talking points. But what Rush did in revolutionizing talk radio to make it a more conservative medium, I could see, and I, quite honestly, it's my hope, that Joe Rogan will do that same thing for the podcast sphere. And you'll have more people that are interested in doing podcasts realizing, hey, I don't have to go out there and do a left-wing podcast or a right-wing podcast. I can just do a podcast. Or I don't have to make my podcast 40 seconds. I can make it two and a half hours if it's somebody really interesting. So um, good good for him. Uh, And by the way, I think that's one of the reasons that you see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. leading – among young people, you know, young people are much more likely to get their news, their commentary, their information from podcasts and independent media, including newsletters and sub stacks and things like that, rather than MSNBC, Fox News Channel and the New York Times. And I think the fact that young people are no longer part of this paradigm of, oh, is it left wing or is it right wing? They're not part. They're opting out of this cable news industrial complex, which is almost meaningless. It's really more like professional wrestling. I mean, you see that with the so-called border bill, which I may talk about with Brian Kilmeade a little bit. I say uh, a so-called border bill because most of that money that's in that bill doesn't go to the border. It goes to fund wars that are being waged by foreign countries. Put that aside. Tucker Carlson has been doing this show on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. And he was spotted in Russia, and everyone said, ooh, he's in Russia. What's he doing in Russia? And then the speculation began to rise, oh, he's going to interview Vladimir Putin. And then the righteous indignation began from coast to coast, mostly on the left because Tucker's a total demon on the, on the left, but... Even some sectors of the non-MAGA right as well, they say, how dare he? How dare he uh, give a platform to Vladimir Putin? How dare he interview Vladimir Putin with what's going on right now in Ukraine? And my reaction was when I heard that he might interview Vladimir Putin, I said, this is great. We have not seen an American journalist of any variety – interview vladimir putin since this war with ukraine began and it used to be standard that you would want to interview as many world leaders as possible particularly world leaders that were in conflict with the united states because it would allow you to hear their perspective on issues and it would allow americans to make their decision this is not new Barbara Walters interviewed Hugo Chavez and Fidel Castro. Dan Rather, on the eve of the Iraq War, went and interviewed Saddam Hussein in Iraq. We saw we've seen this time and again. It's only now, and I think really because it's Tucker. It's only now that it's become this evil thing to interview evil people. Of course, We should want to know what Vladimir Putin is saying. You can choose, once you hear it, to say, oh, he's lying or he's misguided or, you know, he has no idea what he's talking about or, you know, why should we care? But at least you'll hear it. You know, it reminds me of the attempts to censor the Osama bin Laden letter um, recently on TikTok and even The Guardian went so far as to take it down because you had people – saying, oh, well, that's interesting that this bin Laden letter said this. I never knew about this. And it it forces you to think in a much broader perspective. Additionally, I think, you know, for all the complaints that Tucker would do some sort of a fawning interview, I caught a little bit of uh, Chuck Schumer being interviewed by Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC the other day. And it was the definition of fawning Chuck Schumer actually brought with him talking points that he read from on television Uh, uninterrupted he uh, and you know it because he put on his glasses which you know they're reading glasses he put on his glasses and just read random talking points about the so-called border bill I mean if the problem is fawning media then we've got a lot of things to look at I saw a Newsmax interview with President Trump it was more like a, a an infomercial for President Trump. So I I, I don't want to hear that the problem is fawning. Let's hear what he has to say. That's my view. And it's, it's interesting. I get criticized a lot for what we do on this show. And by the way, we have a whole Facebook group d- devoted to that. You're welcome to say nice things in that Facebook group as well. Just go on Facebook and type uh, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And every day there are nasty comments about me, nasty emails to me, nasty texts of people that say some version of one of the following two things. Frank, why do you pretend to be an independent? You are just a right winger. Just admit it. At least all your colleagues in talk radio admit that they're all holding Trump's uh, water. Just admit it. Then I get all these other people that write to me. Frank, why do you call yourself an independent? You, you you seem like a nice guy, but you're clearly a left-winger. Just admit that you're on the left. And the truth is, I think, you know, both parties are not for me, but both parties have a lot of good aspects to them and a lot of good people there. And I don't want to look at the world through a right-wing prism or a left-wing prism. I want to look at each issue on its own merits and make a decision Based on the merits of that individual issue. I don't want to be brainwashed and led because the leader of my movement says this or the, somebody that I like says that. But apparently that's now so rare in media that people assume that I'm pushing some clandestine plan to brainwash them that I'm an I know, an independent in name only, which, I, you know, I, I have no idea what my politics are or my ideology is. I could tell you how I voted in certain elections. I could tell you why I believe certain things. I have no idea. However, there are two overarching things that guide me in government and in media. In government, I generally believe that in almost every instance, more democracy is the solution and giving the people more power is the best thing. Does that make me right-wing or left-wing? I don't know. When it comes to media and messaging, my belief is the more voices we get to hear, the better. And I am all for hearing from every foreign leader we can. I'm envious of Tucker Carlson that he got to interview Putin. I'd like to interview Putin and Zelensky, for that matter, because there's a number of questions I have for them. Um, and you want to talk about fawning? I, I don't think Zelensky has had a challenging interview since this war began by Western media. The closest thing was when Brett Baer accidentally asked him a challenging question about all the ties to Nazis that the uh, Ukrainian government has. So yesterday, we learned that Tucker was, in fact in Russia, and he was, in fact there to interview Vladimir Putin and he posted the following announcement.
0: We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously, so we've thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region, here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and has depopulated the largest country in Europe. But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances and the sanctions that followed have as well, and in total they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast and along with it the dominance of the US dollar. These are not small changes, they are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they have done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. But the interviews he's already done in the United States are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda. Propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer brand, not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again, but this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States, and we wanted to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group, nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, tuckercarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Thanks.
1: So uh, the interview apparently has been done and it's going to be released tonight. I'm looking forward to watching it and if there are interesting aspects of it, which I suspect there will be, I'm gonna play some highlights of it for you this time tomorrow. But I must say, I am incredibly bothered By the reaction to this, even if you cannot stand Tucker Carlson, even in fact, especially if you can't stand Tucker Carlson, even if you loathe Vladimir Putin, you should be the first to welcome this being out there in the sphere, the modern day town square of Twitter and in the media. You should want these discussions to be out there instead. You have some people calling for Tucker Carlson to be killed by a Ukrainian bomb while he's in Russia. You have some people in Ukraine putting him on a kill list. You have uh, some people calling for him to be banned from the European Union. That's the reaction to interviewing one of the most important foreign leaders in the world today. Quite frankly, it's sick. It's absolutely sick. No one did that to Dan Rather, when he interviewed Saddam Hussein. Mr. President, do
2: you expect to be attacked by an American-led invasion? We hope that the attack will not take place, but we are bracing ourselves to meet such an attack, to face it. The officials in America
1: keep talking about attacking Iraq. And it's normal that the people prepare themselves for such a possibility. No one said that about Larry King when he interviewed Gaddafi right before we killed Gaddafi or we took part in an invasion that um, that led to his ouster. You came to power in Libya in 1969, a long time ago. Do you have thoughts on who might
0: succeed you? I gave up uh, power or authority since 1977. Once the Maharia was established, the state of the masses was established, the people's authority was also established. Ever since that date, I am not in power anymore.
1: Now, obviously what Gaddafi said there wasn't true. He was absolutely in power. But that it was still interesting, it was still good journalism. It was still free speech. um Osama bin Laden, probably the perpetuate, not probably the perpetuator of one of the worst terrorist attacks in American history in nineteen ninety seven this was before September eleventh but it was well after he had declared jihad on the United States. He was interviewed by. CNN uh, CNN is important to note, because this is one of the networks that not only that Tucker used to work for, but it's one of the networks that's been most over the top in bashing Tucker for doing this interview. This is from 1997, I believe the journalist was Peter Arnett interviewing Osama bin Laden.
2: You have declared a jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? The U.S.
3: government has committed acts that are extremely unjust, hideous and criminal through its support of the Israeli occupation of Palestine. And we believe the U.S. is directly responsible for those killed in Palestine, Lebanon, and Iraq. Due to its subordination to the Jews, the arrogance of the United States regime has reached the point that they occupied Arabia, the holiest place of the Muslims,
2: who are more than a billion people in the
3: world today. For this and other acts of aggression and injustice, we have declared jihad against the U.S.
1: Now, you can totally disregard whatever bin Laden says. But he's explaining exactly why he's at war with us. The sanctions, which are um, starving um, uh, Muslim children, the um, occupation of Saudi Arabia, which includes the holiest sites of Mecca and Medina, and our support for Israel. Now, you can make the decision that it's so important that we still occupy Saudi Arabia, keep these sanctions to starve these children and support Israel, but... You should know, I think, that that's one of the reasons bin Laden is declaring war on us. And it was good journalism for CNN to do that. Compare that to what airs on CNN today. David Axelrod, who's a commentator on CNN, paid contributor, uh, was one of the men that was the architects of President Obama's election, uh, had this to say. When I first heard that he was there, I just assumed he was there to get an award because there probably mm-hmm. isn't an American who has done more for Vladimir Putin in the last couple of years than Tucker Carlson. Uh, Hillary Clinton was on MSNBC yesterday, another network that Tucker Carlson used to work for.
3: He's what's called a useful idiot. I mean, if you actually read translations of what's being said on Russian media, they make fun of him. I mean, he's like a puppy dog. You know, he somehow has after having been fired from so many outlets in the United States, he uh, I would not be surprised uh, if he emerges with a contract with a Russian outlet. Wouldn't you?
1: Wouldn't you, Mrs. Clinton? Mrs. Clinton, who has been wrong on every single major foreign policy issue of the last 30 years. Where was she on the war in Iraq? She was wrong on that. Where was she in the war in Libya? She was war- wrong on that. I would suggest... I- I Uh, submit that she's been wrong on just about every key foreign policy area as secretary of state as a senator and as first lady put that aside that's the level that's the reaction to someone actually going out and um, committing journalism which is what this is you don't have to like what Putin says but we should be glad that someone from America is getting the opportunity to do it. You know, I used to like to have Vladimir Posner on this show. He has declined all my invitations to come back since this war in uh in you know with Ukraine began. But uh our owner, John Katzenmatidis was so, you know, interested in the Russian perspective on world affairs that one time I had Vladimir Posner on this show. And John said, "You know what we're going to do? American audiences don't hear that. I'm going to replay that interview on my show so even more people hear it. That's the mentality of somebody that actually wants their listeners, their customers, their patrons to be informed with a broader world perspective. What you're hearing on CNN and MSNBC and on Twitter from people like uh, Adam Kinzinger and Bill Kristol and, uh, you know, Jen Psaki, that's... The mindset of an authoritarian that is trying to suppress free speech. What do you think? Are you glad, as I am, that Tucker Carlson is doing this interview with Putin? Are you going to watch? Why or why not? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. There's another aspect of the free speech story that I think is also interesting. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Uh, two open lines if you want to comment, 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Murano.
2: lie. No more of your darkness All my pictures seem to fade to black and white I am growing tired Stand still before me
1: Frozen here On the ladder of my life Elton John singing Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me a Another song selection from our listener of the week Donna Masterson uh, Talking about... Um, Vladimir Putin being interviewed by Tucker Carlson, which is going to be released tonight. I'm going to take your calls in a moment about whether you're going to watch it or not. Oh, and whether you think it's good that he's doing it or not. 800-848-9222. I just put up a poll on Twitter. I still call it Twitter. At Frank Morano. Are you going to watch Tucker's interview with Vladimir Putin? Yes, no, or maybe. Feel free to vote. Meanwhile, I'm getting barraged with um, SMS text messages. A lot of people reacting to my talking about Buckley's cough mixture, Bill Marco writing learned of Buckley's from Curtis on the radio like 20 years ago. Only online can you find it. It will cure polio. He's right about that. My friend Roger Stone, and if Roger's listening, Roger, you feel free to call in. Um, Roger, Roger writes, Oscar Goodman. I thought he was dead, which is kind of mean to say of the former Las Vegas mayor and the uh, current first man. Uh, my friend uh, Tommy Barlada writes, a couple of burgers from White Castle will clear your throat instantly. And um, then, uh, what else we have here? Oh, so my friend Danielle also sent me this Buckley's um, link on Amazon to buy it. Turns out I bought this in January of 2017, which might mean that I still have some somewhere. If my wife is listening to this program right now, be- which I hope she's not because that means our son is up. Please check that little rattan case that we have in our closet or on my side of the bed. Maybe there's still some in there. I mean, should I be drinking seven-year-old Buckley's cough mixture? Probably not, but I'm willing to risk it. But If you can check and let me know, that would be helpful. You know, I feel bad for my, my friend Danielle married to my friend Rich, and she's telling me, oh, Rich tried that me- cough medicine that you mentioned. I said, why is he awake? Just because you're in pain because of your medical procedure. Why is your husband awake? Why are you torturing the poor guy? And she says, he's got to, he has to be awake when I'm up because I can't get up or down the stairs without him. What a poor situation that is. The poor guy. He didn't have any medical procedure and he's got to go without sleep. Unbelievable. That is rough. 800 848 9222. Speaking of rough, um, our son is in preschool now. He's two years old, and you know we pay tuition, pretty fair amount of a uh, fair amount of tuition, and they follow a public school calendar, which means I, I, I think in two weeks it's President's Week, and my son is off from preschool. So, we had to go and figure out childcare for this week. Fortunately, my mom was off on President's Day she was able to watch him one day. My father and stepmother, they're able to watch him another day. And then, you know, we reached out to, um, you know, someone else, a babysitter that we would pay to watch him for the other two days. Well, yesterday, my wife and goes to pick up Carmine from preschool and they tell him, hey, if you want, they, they, they tell her, excuse me, they tell her, if you want, we are offering a special program the week that school is closed. Huh, what's the special program? Well, it's three hours instead of four hours. He's in school for four hours now, 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. This would be only three hours. Okay, what else is different about it? Well, there's no instruction or education going on, it's just playing. And I meanwhile, well, I'm thinking, I mean, how much instruction is really going on for. A two-year-old. Two so it's just going to be playing. So to me, that sounds exactly like what school is. So um, she says, all right, well, well, we'll sign him up for that for at least, you know, the, the two, two days that we don't have other arrangements made. Now, they are charging for that. So they're charging us tuition even though he's not in school. They're charging us his school tuition, which everybody that's in the class has to pay. And then they're charging us again to send him to school and do essentially the same thing that he does only for three hours instead of four hours that same week. So we're getting double charged. Plus, we have to pay the babysitter that's going to watch him for a day now. So it's a total racket, this child care thing. Um, 800-848-9222. We're paying tuition. We're paying for this substitute school program and a babysitter. So next week or the following week will be an interesting paycheck. All right. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with uh, Pete on Staten Island. Hey, Pete, I heard you've been having some health issues. Uh, Wishing you the best. I'm thinking about you.
2: Uh, Thanks, Frank. I'm doing well. I'm I uh, had to have some toes amputated. I'm at Cold Lake oh, getting rehab. Sorry to hear and that. And everything man. is moving good. And mainly, I wanted to call you, first of all, I'd love to watch that interview with Putin. I find him very interesting. And about your throat, what I would do, what I do with my throat is uh, chloroseptic, which is a spray in your throat. And then about an hour later, not too hot tea with lemon and honey. Goggle it drink it and goggle it and then follow it up about an hour later with a shot of the chloroceptive it's very hard to take this chloroceptive but it loosens any kind of mucus in your throat and it really makes you feel better All i mean right. i was able to you know and i wish it for you and the best of carmine i hope he feels better and your wife and keep up the good work
1: yeah carmine is oh, doing better thank you he did get up last night Sort of unexpectedly, but it's not really clear why. But, um, you know, he's doing fine. You know, he's back in school. And I don't notice any cough. I'm still uh, putting um, Vicks on his uh, on his chest. Even the scar or the wound on his chin from the playground over the summer, even that seems to be improving. Maybe it's just my imagination because of this uh, stuff that we're putting on it. But I think, um, you know, I think he's doing great. 800 Robert in Suffolk. What's on your mind, Robert?
2: Hey, good morning, Frank. I love that Carlson is going, has done this interview with Putin. I think now we're going to see some real, honest journalism, where truth, to the extent that it can be discerned, without being colored through the lens
1: of politics, might be real. Well, look. I'm sure, you know, Putin is going to be giving his spin just as any other world leader or politician would give their spin. You remember, Putin's got an election coming up as well. So he's um, absolutely going to be trying to uh, put the best foot forward that he can, not just to an American audience, but to a Russian audience. But I still want to see it. I still want to see what he says so we can critique it, so we can agree with it, so we can disagree with it, whatever the case may be. 800-848-9222. Ah, So that leads me – I almost forgot. Thank you for the reminder, Robert. That leads me to the other free speech issue that um, I wanted to comment on. Bill Maher, who I've come to like a lot. I I view him as a really independent voice even when I disagree with him. He has a lot of interesting guests. I really enjoy his show. I find it entertaining. I like the format of it. I think it's my kind of show. I really like it. He also has a podcast, and I really got into this during the writer's strike when, you know, his show wasn't on. And I would get my Mar fix from this podcast. It's called Club Random, and he has random people there in his basement for drinks and talks to them for two hours, and they're fascinating conversations. He had a great conversation with William Shatner, one of the best interviews that I've heard him do and heard Shatner do, Um, a great interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a really interesting interview with Sean Penn, all sorts of other people. So, he interviews Kanye West. Has Kanye West on Club Random. Now, what do you know about Kanye West? The first things that come to mind for me are, was married to Kim Kardashian, number two, hates Jews, Number three, very talented musician. Number four, very possibly mentally unstable. And that's why when we made our list of guests that it would be worth paying, I was surprised uh, that Matt Blaze mentioned Kanye because that's, I think, what you would get every week if he were to come on the show, Jew-hating mental instability. And like, I think if you're going to interview Kanye West, you have to know what you're getting. I don't know that you can interview Kanye West and expect him to have a um, a really thorough understanding of uh, nuclear physics. You're expecting to have a whole long conversations about nuclear physics, and then all of a sudden he throws you a left hook and he goes foaming at the mouth, praising Hitler and hating Jews. You know that's what you're getting with Putin. get with Putin, with Kanye, or Yi as they call him now. Or as he calls himself. So Bill Maher tapes this interview with Kanye West and won't air it. He won't put it on Club Random because he says that um, Kanye West's anti-Semitism and his appeal to young people is a dangerous mix, which is why the interview that he did with him will never see the light of day TMZ spoke with uh, Bill Maher, TMZ's uh, CEO Harvey Levin interviewed Maher about this and here's Maher explaining why he's not releasing the interview I had
0: Kanye right here at Club Random we did an episode with him I thought it was going to be a, a learning moment I mean we were here for two hours we, by the way we had an amazing fun time, he's a very charming anti-semi, and by the way he's not the only one in America who feels that way it's not like the Jews are universally loved except for Kanye West, okay? Hold, hold on, Bill. You could say the same thing about Hitler.
1: You know, a lot of people were thinking what he was thinking, but in Kanye's case, the fact that he's saying it out loud gives other people permission to say it too, right? Yes, exactly. No, he's no that's why I wouldn't air that episode, because I'm not going to contribute to this. Let me tell you something. Once you've booked the interview with Kanye West... If you've heard anything he said over the last three or four years, you know it's going to be all about anti Semitism. I think what Bill Maher is doing here is ridiculous. You know what you're getting when you interview Kanye West. It's like, you know, if I were to interview, um, uh, you know, uh, Michael Jordan and then be shocked he talked about basketball, uh, I think he should publish that interview. He spent two and a half hours of time interviewing Kanye West, and they're just going to bury it, stick it in a drawer, in his view, uh, in his words, never have it see the light of day. I think that is a big mistake on Bill Maher's part, and I am a Bill Maher fan, and I want to see that interview, or at least I want the option to see it. I think this idea of, oh, I'm shocked that Kanye West would say something anti-Semitic, what were you expecting, Bill? Bill? Were you expecting to him to come on and talk about how great the Jews in Israel are? I'd like to see that interview, or at least I want the option to watch it. I think it's absurd. Absurd. It, it's, it almost looks to me like he's trying to get more attention by and more praise for not airing this interview, knowing what it would have been. What do you think? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222 This is the other side of midnight straight ahead The other side
2: of midnight
0: <laughs> It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano
1: Until the top of the hour, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy in this country is our propensity to take down statues. You know, I mean, it was one thing when we started taking down the Confederate statues. I I get that. I mean, how often do you put up monuments to a country that um, tried to rebel against you? Okay. Then it went further with the Theodore Roosevelt statue. Then you have these angry mobs trying to take down statues of Abraham Lincoln and Christopher Columbus, now even Jackie Robinson. And I'm just thinking, okay, chill out. And one of the things that I really liked about Italy when I was there is that I really hope to go back soon, but they had statues from every era. What they did in places like Rome, but really all over Italy, at least where I was, you didn't have the whatever government was in fashion take down the statues of the government that was there before them. They preserved everything, and they used it to learn from. I think this is really cool. This is not exactly authentic, but it is interesting. You remember a couple of days ago, Noam Laden brought to our attention. They're talking about giving one of the pyramids in Giza in Egypt a little bit of a facelift, and I think it's okay. In Italy, they're doing something similar. A 43-foot statue of the Roman emperor Constantine the Great was erected in Rome based on fragments of the original statue that were discovered in 1486. So it's not authentic, but it is kind of a replica you know a one to one replica it is exactly the same st- size as the original statue and it was painstakingly reconstructed by this madrid based digital art group i am i think this is really cool the head and most of the other fragments of this huge statue were discovered in 1486 in the ruins of a building not far from the colosseum they were transferred to what eventually became the Capitoline Collection, and nine of those ancient fragments, including a monumental head, feet, and hand, are permanently on show at the museums. And um, now there's a statue of Constantine that's up based on these fragments that they discovered. I think this is really cool, and I can't wait to see the statue when I'm back in Rome. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with uh, David in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hey, David. Yes, good morning, Frank. Um, On the issue of the two interviews,
3: I'll start with Tucker Carlson first. There's a reason Vladimir Putin agreed to do this interview. He doesn't do interviews with Western media because he wants his version of propaganda to to get to the West um, unfiltered by truth. And he knows he's going to get Tucker Carlson, who is very sympathetic to his viewpoints. So let's see... How great of an interviewer Tucker Carlson really is. Well, so David, he ask about David, the American reporters right, who are being held by Vladimir Putin
1: right, right now. I, see, I think what you just said, I think that's exactly what we should do. Let's see what Tucker asks and then watch the interview. And then if Tucker, you know, doesn't ask him about the Wall Street Journal reporter or other, you know, important issues. Let's criticize Tucker for what questions he didn't ask. Right. Exactly. But let's keep in mind exactly why this interview is taking place and by whom. Okay.
3: now, as far as Mr. Uh, Marr, I think what happened is and I don't buy what he's saying right now. I agree with you. But I think what happened is he did this interview with a known anti-Semite. And because Bill Marr is a terrible interviewer and is a what I consider to be a cretin level intelligence, he led. Um, uh, Kanye walk all over him someone must have told him how horrible he looked and he figured that he would get Ah. more press for himself by putting out this nonsense oh well he was too anti-Semitic so I'm not going to release the interview what's the point he knew like you said he knew exactly what he was getting if Bill Moore was a competent person he would have been able to conduct the interview and have it out there you could have interviewed Kanye and been able to get enough out of him to air an interview I know he's the to I told you
1: that you should interview David Duke because people like that need to be heard. Right. David, thank you. Um, I, I think you might be more right than wrong. I don't agree with you that he's a horrible interviewer. Sometimes people are difficult to manage, like a bucking bronco, and I think Kanye just might be difficult to manage, but I, I suspect you might be right that they didn't like how it came out, and that's what happened. Keep asking questions.